think this is going to be the year for the Orlando Magic, Trista. I'm feeling it. I almost wanted I'm to ask. We had team. so many things to ask. I know. I need more But what do they do about all those guards? They've got so many. Yeah. There'll be, listen, there will be certainly some... There will be plenty of movement this offseason in the NBA, but you are going to probably see teams also just going, you know, we've been trying to trade this guy for years. It's going to cost us more money. Screw it. We're let's just going to do let's, it. You're going to see guys just getting sold off. You're going, they got what? Which in some ways, though, can also help teams that, that are get that star. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you either absorb the salary or you get somebody, even Bradley Beal, for a steal. A steal of a price. Beal a few years ago, now this was different, the contract, the no-trade clause, it's different than anybody else's situation. But you see John Collins, too, and you go, Utah didn't have to give up very much at all. And they had the room to bring dump. them in. Yeah. Salary dump, absolutely. They have a plethora of talent now. Maybe they end up flipping somebody that they just got for picks or something. There have been rumors about Colin Sexton getting moved oh, to Utah. definitely out. So you, you move another veteran there. You got a couple of young guys you drafted in the first round. I mean, it's but then what? It, then it's okay. What team gets Colin Sexton? Does he make a huge difference? What's his role going to be? So maybe go may, back to maybe you'll go to Orlando just to have another guard. Uh, there. They, they need more guards, actually. There, yeah. You know, Portland could use a few more guards too. Yeah. I think both those guys. You know, Anthony Simons to Orlando for Jalen Suggs. Who says no? No, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Just another undersized guard for us. <laughs> uh, I know something you were talking about before the show. You had three sort of low, more low-key free agents out there. We've talked about the the bigger names, like a Fred Van Vliet maybe this offseason, or obviously on the trade market, Damian Lillard. But you said there were three guys that you saw that were going to be maybe low-key names but could make a huge difference and, and, and change sort of the dynamic and the dominoes of where this offseason can go. Yeah. Abso- so who are they? Absolutely. So tonight we talk about the three most interesting low-key free agents in the NBA. Uh, the wind kind of got taken out of the sails a little bit in, in NBA free agency because, listen, trades are now all of the rage. The salary dumps are becoming something that's very standard. We get Porzingis for Marcus Smart. Uh, today, or yesterday, excuse me, the Hawks traded John Collins to the Utah Jazz like we just talked about for like a bag of potato chips and Rudy Gay. You got There's two bags of potato chips. Two, actually. Uh, two bags. Two, yeah, they two, got two. Excuse me, two. Yeah, yeah. one you, was sour cream, so it was pretty good. You've got free agents like Kyrie Middleton, Harden, a bunch of guys that are going to probably opt back in. So, who are these low key dominoes that I think could impact the actual NBA landscape? Number one is already the dominoes already dropped, baby. The domino has begun, and now what comes next? We had Kurt Heelan on from NBC Sports. He referenced it a little bit, and the low-key move was Nas Reed. Nas Reed went back to the Timberwolves, Ashu, three years, $42 million. I will forgive casual fans if they don't know who Nas Reed is, but there were about 15 teams that were out there being like, yeah, you know, Nas Reed would be a really good center for us. Sacramento was thinking that. Portland was thinking that. There were a lot of teams that needed. Dallas was thinking that. Rim-protecting, needing teams. So, but they already have a couple of rim protectors, don't they, Ashu? You've got Rudy Gobert, Mm. and you've got Carl Anthony Towns, and now you've got Nas Reed sticking around. So, uh, why, why would, would they do, do that? that? That's the question. Let's do a little math school for you. <laughs> the Wolves have $91 million tied up in the center position, the same position that most teams don't even have one traditional center. The Wolves have three. So I believe, given all of that, that means that Carl Anthony Towns is for sure getting traded. They're not trading Rudy Gobert. They've already traded a boatload of assets and young players to get him. They're not going to move off of that rock anytime soon. The Timberwolves, 
we know that they're not winning like in any real level with Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and, and Nasri. We know that. The Timberwolves have appeared in exactly three playoff series in his entire eight-year career. He has been largely neutralized in those series. I know he was pretty good in the Memphis series, but outside of that, he's largely in foul trouble, can't keep his emotions in check. And more importantly, in today's CBA and in today's NBA, his super max extension carries through with the Wolves till 2027-2028. He has two all-NBA third-team nods in eight seasons, and he's owed $256 million over the next five years. That's a whole lot. Woo, <laughs> It looks like Silver Surfer, the Herald of Galactus, and the MCU change is a-coming. And I think that ends up with Carl Anthony Towns in some place like New York or no, Golden don't State don't want or maybe Dallas. Up next, the second low-key free agent move. Dylan Brooks, baby. After being jettisoned from the Memphis Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies, as we know, put out an official statement two seconds after they got eliminated that said, we are not bringing back Dylan Brooks under any circumstances. And now you've got Marcus Smart coming in to replace one part Dylan Brooks, replace one part Tyus Jones, and now we know for sure he's going on the move. John Hollinger at The Athletic said that Brooks is one of the more interesting free agents for any team with cap space and defensive issues. I don't know. A team like Houston could use him. Dallas was at one time plus 300 to sign Dylan Brooks. There are a lot of reasons to look at him because he's a second-team all-defensive player. That's just what it is. He's just really good at that. B-Ball Index has Dylan Brooks in the 94th percentile in defensive position versatility. So he can switch one through five. He's not a great shooter, but he's a defender who you could really use. A lot of people thought he was going to get the mid-level exception at around $12 million. Now it looks like he might get $20 million. Jake Fisher, friend of show, reported that Brooks might sign a four-year $60 million deal. So what, like 15, 15, 17 million? So Brooks as a rocket, I think that would mean no way that Harden returns. I think that is great for Ime Udoka. I think that helps him. I think that helps him from a locker room perspective and from a defensive standpoint. And we know that if he can stop chucking threes and he can take better shots, he could be a very valuable piece on a team that's looking to rebuild. And then number three, the third most low-key free agent that nobody's quite talking about because it's will he, won't he, will he request, will he not request. Dame Lillard and Jeremy Grant are about as peas and carrots in terms of free agency as it gets. So Jeremy Grant all set to re-sign with Portland. And then the Dame drama comes in and rolls in like the Kraken. And now we don't know. Now we don't know. It has everything to do whether Grant is going to stick around on a team with Dame or maybe not. As I said, the signing is very interesting because Detroit is rumored to want him back. He has a really good relationship with GM Troy Weaver. It's a fresh new system. There's a lot more talent on this team than there was the last time he was there in Detroit. He was kind of the man there, but there was no other infrastructure around him. So he ends up trying to play with Dame. The Pacers could be another really interesting fit. They need defensive versatility as well. You pair him with Jairus Walker. You pair him with Miles Turner. And now you are cooking with gas with Tyrese Halliburton and Chucker Buddy Heald and now, Chris Duarte, oh my God. Mm. Jeremy Grant plays 3-4 until Jairus Walker is a starter, and all of a sudden, Rick Carlisle, yeah, that's his man. Rick Carlisle loved Harrison Barnes, so it's either Jeremy Grant or Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes in terms of who's going to take that spot in the lineup. The money, of course, is going to be tricky because Portland 
can offer him five years, $233 million. That is absurd. That's $46 million a year. No chance that's happening. He'll probably get like four years, $130, $120 million. Uh, But I think that there are a lot of teams that are going to want him. Sacramento's another one as well, that he could slot right in and take them to a whole new level. So that's the big three. Well, I guess it's like the low-key three today with free agency just a few days away. We have a lot to cover between now and then. But that is... That's going to be a very interesting thing to watch moving forward. The Dylan Brooks situation is so interesting because if he hadn't popped off the way that he did last year and started running his mouth, the Dylan the villain nonsense, and just get to the point where he made himself so unlikable, which makes you then a target, which means everybody's going to nitpick every little thing you do, and then you look like a complete clown in the playoffs – People would be talking about the great defender that he is. The sometimes good three-point shooter. You got a, something going on over there? Wee-oo, wee-oo. Uh-oh. Alert, Uh-oh. alert. Okay. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Uh, the Wizards are seeking draft compensation oh, for both veteran guards Monty Morris and DeLon Wright. The Wizards are also expected to come to a buyout agreement with Danilo Gallinari. We've got salary shedding, folks. The they, Wizards are doing good things. Wow, they are finally flipping this entire team. The Washington finally. Thunder. Uh, you know what? I, look, you've got people in the front office. Here's the big thing, though. You've got to be enabled as a front office to do this. And they hadn't had that for years. Because when ownership in Washington says, nope, nope, you got to get to the playoffs. We want you to play for the eight seed. You can't really gut a roster the way that it's supposed to. If you're allowed to do it the way the Thunder do, take that thing down to the studs. Rip it apart. And have smart people that know how to draft. They can identify that young talent in the draft. Build that team together. That's how you get to a point where you have longevity and you have real success. And you build a team the way that we used to actually build teams. And you know what? I hope, damn it, we go back to this. Because as much as I do love the player movement, I didn't need as much of these trade requests as we had. Once Paul George, after a year re-signing with the Thunder, said, I want to get traded to the Clippers, I said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm over it. It's too much. Let me ask you this, though. Think about this. Do you remember when you first started in the business? Mm Mm-hmm. And you were getting a job. You are getting what would be your dream job, mm-hmm. right? And they offer you it. Did you say, hey, I've got some conditions? No, not at that point. No, no. right? No. If they were like, hey, you've got to go into a studio with fruit flies, with technical issues all the time. You'd be like, that's fine. Like They're like, we're not paying you. You're like, that's fine. <laughs> they're like, you got to live in a tent. That's fine. That's like how it is when you're a new GM or, a, or an aspiring GM and you come to a team. You're not asking the owner, like, hey, if I want to blow up this team, mm-hmm. are you going to let me? If I want to trade your f- franchise for Marquee Star because it's not working anymore and I want to get under the salary cap and go to a different direction, I need to have the ability to do that. If you're a young GM, you can't do that. But when you're Michael Winger and you're yep. Travis Schlank and you're Will Dawkins and you come from the OKC pedigree and the Atlanta Hawks pedigree, I mean, you get to kind of write your ticket. Listen, you guys stink. You guys came after me. I'm chilling in L.A. by the beach. Do you want me mm-hmm. to come to Chocolate City or nah? Because if if you don't want me to do this like I want to do it, then I'm not going to come. And that's the way it goes. And there's a certain point, too, where ownership just looks around and goes, this ain't working. Like, there is – there's – it's it's one thing if people are really passionate or really angry about a team. It's another if there's apathy. Yeah. When nobody cares, no one shows up, and it's just pure apathy – 
that's when a franchise is in their worst and possible place. And now Ted place. Leonsis gets to look good and places all mm. the blame on Tommy Shepard. Oh, he's been doing that a lot. Oh, it's been it's been instant. It's I'm like, ugly. oh yeah, wow, oh, really? Okay, oh. You're, you're, okay, you, so you weren't you, you realize nobody believes this, right? <laughs> I mean, when I saw some of those quotes, I think it was on Woj's podcast. I was like. Where it was this word salad about, well, you know, we have a plan and you don't stick to the plan and we're not really handling the plan. It's like that, he was bringing up early Ernie Grunfeld. Oh, yeah, we wanted Grunfeld fired ten years before he actually got fired. God, you know, we got two World Cups actually going on this summer. Look at the futures market on the basketball side of things coming up next.